welcome to another episode of Raising Up the Next Generation. I'm your host, Dan McPherson, and my guest on the show today is Dr. Brian Hull. Full disclosure, when I was with Dr. Hull, I completely botched his bio intro, and so I'm re-recording that here now, so it's going to be a little choppy up front, but hopefully it won't be too bad. I apologize there. Rookie podcast host mistake. But Dr. Brian Hull is currently the professor of pastoral and Christian ministries at Asbury University. He has been involved in local church youth ministry for over 20 years, serving in churches in multiple states, including Kentucky, where he currently serves as youth pastor at a church in Nicholasville. Prior to being hired at Asbury, Brian served at the Church of the Nazarene headquarters, working with Nazarene Youth Ministries. He's been involved in the training of youth and youth leaders at local, regional, national, international levels, as well as helping to coordinate youth ministry networks. He's also a frequent guest speaker at camps, retreats, special services, training events for youth, youth leaders, and churches. He's also the author of Reachable Reconciliation and his brand new book, Youth Ministry as Mission. Welcome, Brian Hall, to the show. And when I first met you, you were Professor Hall. In the years I've known you, you've added a couple letters to your name. <laughs> yeah. So, Dr. Hall, welcome to... Thanks, Dan. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. Good to be here. Yeah, professor of pastoral, pastoral and Christian ministries. Pastoral and Christian. When I knew, so so I went to Asbury. You were the youth ministry prof. That's right. You've graduated. You've become a real professor, (laughs) as they say. I I feel like it's a demotion, to be honest. Yeah. Well, well, that's fair. So I asked you to be on the show mainly based on some conversations we've had just at lunch, at at breakfast, over coffee. Uh, kind of surrounding incoming freshmen, or, but also just college students in general. But out of COVID and everything that has kind of changed students because of that for various reasons. Uh, and so thinking about, so I came into Asbury fall of 2009. Now we are in fall of 2022. So how have freshmen change? Obviously, I was a um, I was an exception as as very um, I was great, but for a normal <laughs> that's right, that's average right. freshman, fall of two thousand nine and now twenty twenty two. What are yeah, some yeah. differences? Yeah, I mean, obviously, culture and the world has changed just a little in that time. Yes, um, very much. But Dan, you were an exceptional student, no doubt. The <laughs> <laughs> the. There are probably a number of ways to think about this. You know, Asbury being a Christian liberal arts university, we we think about things and see things through that lens. And so those are things that probably pop out the most. Um, No one is surprised that biblical literacy is down, you know, across the board. Um, among even among the the great students that come to Asbury, you know, even among that kind of a student, and that that does matter. That does impact things. I think part of that is because. Um, it, it, sort of the the lack of uh, emphasis, uh, decreased emphasis in Christian education across the board in the church. So less discipleship opportunities for everybody, adults, children, youth, all the way around. 
Um, and also probably, you know, the family is taking a lot of hits, to be honest, you know? Yeah. And so I think those, those factors are... When you say biblical literacy, explain what you mean by that. Yeah, just how much students know of Scripture. Um, even, uh, you know, probably 10 years ago, Dan, you probably... C- knew most of the books of the Bible anyway. I don't, I don't remember, but, yeah. but you probably could have said there are 66 books in the Bible and you probably could have got a lot of them. Now, you know, that's even that little fact is down, let alone the actual content of scripture, mm-hmm. you know? Now there are some popular stories or whatever that they probably, many of them probably know, but there's just, just across the board, less uh, awareness of the Bible. It's what's the contents are, how to interpret it, you know, just all those kind of basic skills, um, what we consider discipleship kind of skills. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. So that's definitely one. Another thing is I think students uh, now are probably more aware of the broader world than they were when you came as a freshman. Yeah, I would say that's fair. You know, uh, social media you could point to probably as one of the reasons for that, but they just get that you know, on their feed all the time, you know, and so they're aware, maybe not in detail or, or with, with much knowledge, but they just kind of know what's happening in the world and kind of how the world's interpreting that in ways that, that you probably didn't and those older than you probably did. And so I think that, that does impact anxiety, those kinds of issues. It also just changes the way they kind of experience life in the world. Probably though, the biggest difference, and this really, you know, filters down through adolescence and Gen Z or whatever, however you want to define them. But students now do not trust adults, hmm. period. That includes parents. Does that include yep. youth yep. pastors? Yep. That include just in general? Yep. If you're a board. parent, if you're an adult, they just don't trust you. And, and so, you know, even like... I, in my youth ministry class this week, I was having a conversation with some of my students who are volunteering in youth ministries. They lead small groups or whatever. And some of them were talking about like, how come they're not listening to me? You know, and they don't even think of themselves yet as adults because they're still college students. And, you know, but I said, this is, this is why, like they see you as not a teen. You're not, so you're an adult. Right. And so the, the default disposition towards you is I do not trust you. You have an agenda for me. And so I'm going to cautiously engage this, but I, I'm just trying to figure out what your agenda is for me. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And so that obviously colors the relationships we can have and the way we start things. And maybe in some ways, in some ways, maybe it forces us back to the things that matter most, which is probably good. But in a lot of ways, it creates a lot more work for adults, I think, in, you know, in education, but also in ministry. Yeah. Well, and that's one reason why I really hope and pray that small group leaders stay around for more than one year, because students—I mean, I have multiple small groups this year who have a leader that was here last year and a new leader coming in, and already there's a very distinct difference on allegiances and like what they share with certain leaders, and so— uh, the the consistency there is so valuable um of just letting them know hey i'm here i'm i'm going to be here through the through all of the things and yep. um yeah i think that's yeah, super think, important so that you know that word with is really important you know that i'm going to be with you here yeah and not because i want to change you and make you like me not because you know not if you agree with everything i say i'm just 
because you're a person and I care, I'm going to be with. So to a parent listening to this says, well, I'm with my kids all the time. Why do they not trust me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I say they don't trust anybody. There are obviously teens who trust some some adults, Mm -hmm. but typically it has to be earned. And, um, you know, obviously I don't know every parent, but I can tell you from my experience as a father, I have four kids um, and as a youth pastor and as a educator and as a scholar, if you will, somebody who studies this. A lot of parents do spend a lot of time around their kids, but they aren't very intentional about that time. So, you know, dad's taxi service is in, you know, is in, you know, like I got to take my kid to the sports and whatever else, band concerts, et cetera. But a lot of times they're just in the back listening to their headphones, to their songs or they're texting their friends. And I'm up front pretending like I'm not texting and driving or, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> listening to my stuff. But, you know, I'm in my world and they're in theirs, even though they're wearing the same thing. Right. And so I think a lot of kids feel that. And the other side of it is, I mean, again, and I'm owning this as a parent too, like we all, we have to be careful as parents because we do want things for our kids. And sometimes the things we want for our kids are our things and not their things, hmm. you know? And uh, sometimes those are even good things, but we have to be really careful not to bring our agenda to the table. Yeah, right? I, yeah, that word. It, what I was thinking, you said earlier, it comes back to agenda. That's you right. Know? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it, it's hard to let people be who they are. You know, and and part of loving people is, of course, seeing potential in them and saying you can be this. There's something you can be, but it's also honoring who they are today. And, and I think a lot of kids feel like everybody wants something from them and for them, and they're not so sure they want those things too. Hmm. Yeah. So hmm. like the, the term, I don't know if you've heard this, Dan, I mean, you work with teens every day, but the term that we're seeing pop up that young people are using to talk about adults who try to engage them, they call them groomers, you know? And this is a phrase that comes from referencing pedophiles, right? right? So right. That there's actually a, like, and they, they'll... Teens are now using that phrase to talk about adults. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you just think about what that means. That, that That's a perception they have, right? You want something out of me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that, that's a lot. Uh, that's So culturally, a lot has changed. Yep. Um, also, COVID yeah. um, came in. So, so how has that affected... In general, academically, spiritually, physically, emotionally, right. what does that? I don't think there's any change at all, Dan. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, of course it has, and and you know it depends on on who you are and how you kind of filter it. I'm not sure any of us have the right answer. COVID either revealed things that were already there, sped things up that are already starting to happen, or maybe it was the cause of some things. I'm not sure the answer to all that, but there's no doubt life is different and kids are different. Uh, the really simple things that we see are, you know, huge difference socially, right? So if you're home, instead of with other people, most kids, you know, who go to public or private school are with other kids all the time. So that absence is really significant. So the, like, do we just see a deficit socially with kids? And you can talk to any school teacher and they will tell you the same thing. Like everybody's behind socially from where they should be, you know, from, compared to where they were in 2019. Um you know, not that they were necessarily doing great then, but it's certainly the case that, that kids are behind. And so that looks in a lot of interesting ways because, you know, with social media and 
maybe increased time in front of television and movies and those kinds of things. A lot of times kids know how they should be acting and how they should respond, but they don't actually know why or how to really, really navigate that. So they kind of perform a little bit. And so it's sometimes kind of trick you into thinking they're actually uh, with you or they're responding in a way that's authentic, but sometimes it's just an act. And so trying to get past that can be also kind of interesting. And of course, when you get into conflict, all those charades fall apart quickly. Right. And that's where, you know, teachers will tell you over and over again, conflict in the classroom is way up just in public schools across the board. I think we probably see it in our youth ministries too. Like just how do I handle when somebody disagrees with me or gets on my nerves? I'm not sure how to do that. And, and just, it's just, um, it's just a, we haven't been around people. So that, that's sort of natural kind of makes sense. Right. Yeah. Um, I also think, you know, it depends a lot on your family, how you managed all that time at home, quarantined, et cetera. And mm -hmm. obviously different parts of the country did that differently in terms of school and things. But, right. but yeah, I, I think, um, I think family, the, our glaring deficit in family, um, ministry, uh, in the church, like really helping parents be good parents, helping their marriages. All, I mean, all of that, I think it just. You know, I'll say COVID revealed that. I think it was already there in that case. But, you know, it, it definitely shows up. So now you have kids who realize sooner that their parent maybe really doesn't have their best interest at heart every time. Hmm. And so, again, that, that crumbling of that trust in, in adults is, you know, you just see it all over the place. And so family is one of those places for sure. And, and so, you know, now there are some kids who actually had great experience because they were able to connect with family in a better way. And a lot of those, from my experience, have been faith-based families, you mm -hmm. know, families that have a, a kind of a grounding and, and passing on morals and, and those kinds of things. But, yeah, I mean, that's definitely another place we see it, see it falling apart for sure. Uh, the difference is pretty significant. Um, depending on students, but also academically, you see, see some differences too. There, a lot of students are behind. Depends a little bit on the subject, but writing things, we typically see a deficit, you know, um, I don't, I don't study STEM, study the STEM stuff, but I'm, I would guess they'd probably see some deficits too. It's just, you know, it's harder to get content done online and especially when teachers haven't been trained or prepared to do. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I'm seeing one one of the things that I'm just like shocked by would probably be a good way to put it is the level of cheating is what I would call it that is just normalized and like everyone is texting everyone pictures of the the homework and the test like it's just so normalized and I I have to imagine that then put in back into a in-person um, setting and also higher academics, we hope, at college, um, academically more rigorous, that that has to affect. I mean... Yeah, and, and it's sort of a perfect storm because it preys on, you know, what we've taught kids is the biggest thing, which is failure. Like, it, you, whatever you do, do not fail, right? And so... Because of that, you just, I mean, they've been wired to figure out ways, cheating, yeah. uh, we would use that word, but they figured out ways to find answers and now they're, those things aren't accessible. So the yeah. anxiety in that academic arena is way up as well, for sure, because they don't want to fail. And, you know, 
and I'm not here to blame kids for a lot of this, right? So I, I think a lot of it has, there's a lot of factors right. in why that yeah. is. And they're sort of products of that, right? And so I, I think it's very difficult, very difficult to be a, a young adult and a teenager right now. Yeah, actually. I can't, yeah, I can't imagine it. And it's funny, you know, when I press students about it, they would say, well, yeah, I can see how that's not really like, great but also i think it's a a level of failure also that but also the level of learning is very much like you just need to know the answer Mm -hmm. and not like Uh, the process of getting there necessarily right Right. um in a in a lot of not not necessarily in all subjects but in a lot of subjects it's kind of like okay you need to know the answer and then once you know the answer then then you're good there. And it's less about learning why you need to know that or how to get to that, you know, um, letter C for that question or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. And again, you know, students are, are wanting to do a good job. And so they're taught that that's what matters yeah. is getting the right answer. Right. And so I th- there's a, there's a lot of things. Again, I think COVID is revealing some, some flaws in the system that most of us probably saw anyway, but it's just pulling all that you know, pulling back the curtain and we see it really clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm not an educator, so I shouldn't be speaking to to all of that necessarily because I um, don't really know anything. But um, I think I think very much that that is that's very much on the right on the right track there of what. So we've so we've discussed some problems, but so now let's switch gears a little bit. Sure. And talk about from your perspective and one of the reasons I love you and having you on is you have such a variety of experience as a youth pastor, as a dad of four now adult kids. Yeah. Um, some, yeah. are they all out of college or no, two in college and two out two in yeah. college, two mm-hmm. out. So, so a dad of kids you've walked with through the teenage years, but sure. also um, as an educator with, so you have a, a broad range of experience, which I really appreciate. So, how do youth pastors, teachers, and parents come alongside their kids in those areas? And maybe you want to you want to kind of parse those out and start sure. in various sure. places. But sure, I'll start with the basic thing, and then I will parse out a little bit. But I think the basic thing is back back to those basic things, right? So, how do we really care for people? You know, how do we tell people we care? And of course, most of it isn't telling, it's doing, right? It's being with them, it's spending the time, you know, putting down our phones, putting down our other stuff that's going on in our mind, all the work we're bringing home, all that stuff. Finding ways to just be present with kids is hugely important. And, you know, we know that in the church, we've done that for a long time and we've done it pretty well. I had a pastor say to me the other day, I think we're closer to the second century church than, than maybe the church in the 20th century sometimes. And, and he might be right. You know, we have to face some things that we have some issues in front of us and people are watching how we're going to respond mm. just like they were in the very early church. Mm-hmm. Right. And what separated the early church out wasn't their fantastic theology. In fact, you know, if you go back, there was a lot of correction to be made. Yeah. It wasn't their, you know, dynamic, leaders or it was they love people right they loved people really well in ways that nobody understood like how can you do this and i i just really think that's a call for us to lean back into that 
you know, the Springtide Research Institute, I know you're familiar with them a little bit, Dan. They've done a ton of great work on Gen Z. And one of the things, and part of their great research included during and through COVID. So they're, they're one of the few who actually stayed with it in the midst of that. And so it was super valuable research. And one of the things that they talked about was, you know, they say that it's something like 8%, it's less than 10% of kids who go to some kind of religious service said that their religious leader reached out to them during COVID. Hmm. So you just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. You know, and, it, and I don't, I'm not trying to throw rocks at pastors. I'm just saying we've got to wrestle with those basic things again. Like, yes, our programs matter to some degree, but they matter because they put us in relationship with kids. And so right. how do we really step back into that and owning that? And how do we make time for kids who are really busy? And oftentimes, you know, they may not answer our texts and our calls. And, you know, so how do we, you know, how do we do that? It's harder now than probably it used to be. But I think that value raises above so many other things. Mm. And I do see that, you know, the people who are demonstrating integrity and relationship with kids, the kids will listen and they actually value those relationships so highly. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting, you know, to hear young adults talking about their high school life and hear them talking a little bit about, yeah, you know, they talk about adults in a certain way that isn't very kind to be honest most of the time, but they also will say sometimes, but, but there was that one guy or Mm -hmm. yeah, there was that youth pastor or that person who really invested in me. And so, and they still talk to those people. They want that interaction and want those people in their life. So I think just calling us back to that and it's sort of the simple stuff, but to be honest, you know, all of us, it's easy to get caught up in the doing and forget about just listening and being with people. And so I think that's one of the calls for sure. I think for youth pastors, it's that um, for sure. But it's it's also recognizing, you know, you've heard me say this before, Dan, you've been in my classes, but I think most of us do youth ministry to our high school selves. You know, mm-hmm. like we think about what would I have mm-hmm. liked in high school mm-hmm. and just to realize it is a radically different world. And we all know youth culture changes all the time, but COVID sped all that up. So, you know, we're not looking at just a two year gap, really. It feels like more of a five or 10 year gap between, you know, the the person who's 20, 21 and the kid who's in high school right now. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a significant difference. And so I think for youth pastors just to reown, you know, rediscover that, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for my book a little bit, but, you know, rediscover that kind of missionary impulse that I've got to learn culture. I've got to be a student of culture and I've got to be willing to be a little embarrassed sometimes in that, that I don't really know what's going on mm-hmm. and I don't know all the language and stuff. But I think that the people who are willing to get their hands dirty a little bit and be embarrassed a little bit about their lack of knowledge, but because they care about kids willing to go there, I think that's going to go a long, long way in these days. I really do. It's interesting, you know, anecdotally, we're seeing, if you just look at churches across the board, since COVID started through now, churches who seem to build a lot of their ministry on a program or a couple programs, um, they took a big hit, both in attendance and in particular in financial giving. But the churches who were really active already in their communities, caring for people, being, if I can just say it, a little, maybe a little more authentic towards what we believe the gospel calls us to. Um, again, just as I'm speaking broadly, but those churches, 
many of them actually increased in, in financial hmm. giving over COVID and have stayed pretty steady through. So all that to say, I, I just think people are paying attention to our integrity, right? And so learning to listen well, to care for people, to, to go back to those things. Yeah, good, good. For parents. Yeah, yeah. So I think for parents, again, you know, they see it every day because they're living and with people. Right. <laughs> and they, they, I think a lot of us as parents are like, oh, yeah, life is totally different. Yeah. So being willing to listen to that is really important. I think, you know, it's hard for me as a parent um, to always understand some of the anxiety kids feel because I didn't live in that world. Yeah. And, you know. It's hard for me sometimes to be like, oh, yeah, of course you'd be anxious about that. I kind of think, well, just get over it. It's not that big of a deal. Right. But being willing to, again, pause in that and ask some deeper questions. How can I help you in this? How are you experiencing this? You know? Um, and not every day do kids feel like talking about that stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you keep asking, it's kind of amazing how often times they will come around to those things or they'll come back to you and say, Hey, you know how you asked me that the other day? I've been thinking about that. Let's talk about that. Hmm. But again, it just takes kind of that intentional. Am I willing to ask that next question? Stay curious just for a question. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that might be encouraging for my wife. We have a four-year-old named Emmett who already we ask him how his day was. And he says, good. And then what did you do today? I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> hope is already like, oh no, teenager <laughs> Emmett is going to be 10 times worse. So that, but to have that encouragement of just ask the questions and be yeah. there and, and be, yeah. I mean, so many, so many parents of teenagers, that's not my experience yet. So I have to rely on, on others, but so many teen teenagers, parents tell me, some of the the best conversations happen at like eleven o'clock at night when they yeah, when they don't want to be awake, but they are willing to be to be present and and stay awake and that's good and listen and yeah, I think it's reframing some of those questions too. So, um, you know, instead of how was your day, what was something interesting that happened today, or you know, even a question like what do you do you feel like God's saying anything to you lately? Like those kinds of questions really matter. And I think a lot of parents are a little nervous about, should I ask that? Is it okay? Will they be offended? You know, and you know, kids are kids. So some days they're going to be like, oh, why are you asking? But I think other days they, they very well might have an answer for some of those things. Um, but your comment about time of day is really interesting. So as a parent, we figured out for our four kids, each of them was different and the different things would unlock them kind of talking. So I have a, a son who, if I, if I take him driving, he'll talk, right? And I have a son who talks at meals, right? And I have a daughter who talks when you shop. It doesn't matter if it's grocery shopping, whatever. But if you're shopping, it just all comes out. And you're like, what am I doing here? But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so just figuring out that and listening to your kids, finding, finding out what those places. Yeah, that's, that's a great, that was a great insight. Yeah. yeah. And I think just like you said to the youth pastors, to, um, to remember that you are not parenting yourself at that age, that and to be a uh, man, you were so it, it, convicting to me just now. In that, I'm okay looking stupid and not knowing, but I have a really hard time wanting to f- know those things. Like I'm, sure. I'm very fine just being, just saying I don't get it. Like TikTok, you know, I don't have TikTok. I right. frankly don't care, and I, and I'm okay with that, but. But being willing to 
engage in that and and step into that space is something that I'm not great at sometimes. And so, um, so that's a, that's, yeah. And it's not necessarily that we all have to be experts in everything. Right. So there's just culture change is so fast. It's impossible. Right. But there is something about caring about what the people you care about are interested in. Right. It just shows that you care enough about them to ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. I tell the story about the kid who, you know, he's putting on Instagram or whatever. He's like, you know, just ordered these shoes. Can't wait for them to arrive. And then, you know, two days later, I got my shoes today, you know, and then I, you know, he shows up at youth group and he's got his shoes on and I say, Hey, are those your new shoes? And he's like, how did you know? And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, but he just expected nobody to pay attention. Yeah. You know? And just because I cared enough, he was like, well, let me tell you about that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's those kinds of things. Yeah, that's right. Paying attention and caring about them. Yeah. That's a good word. That's a really good word. So you are on the end of sending four kids off to college and then receiving thousands of kids into college. So for parents who are getting ready to step into that transition, one thing, I don't know what I'm going to title this episode, I probably, but one of the things I'm thinking of, and now people listening to this will have known the, anyway, the <laughs> is how to transition well. Yeah. And so um, how do how do parents help their help their kids transition well and that this speaks to on several levels one spiritually you know and that may be as simple as teaching them the bible you know with biblical literacy but but also like academically coming alongside them what does that emotionally you know what what are par- what do parents do and i think one thing that i am learning too is like parents are just tired and so it, and it's not like they're going to listen to this podcast and have all the answers and although that'd be cool but um <laughs> advice encouragement yeah i mean i'm no expert i mean i i have four kids but i'm not an expert even in them so i'm not going to pretend to say i've got all the answers for sure i think you know one of the issues is as a parent, realizing that my kids are watching everything I do, even when they're older. And so am I being a good steward of my own faith? Like just asking that really hard question and being honest about it, you know? And as kids get older, I think it's okay to be honest with them about some of your concerns and struggles. Like, you know, I've said, sat down with my kids and said, you know, this right here, I think I really screwed this up. I don't think I did that very good as a dad. And mm-hmm. I'm really sorry for that. And, you know, sometimes it's just them going, oh, yeah, at least he sees it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he'll pay my therapy later or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it is, I think, you know, just being owning some of that journey together is really important because it helps them understand that you don't have it all figured out either. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things like kids hate it that it, so many adults pretend like they don't have problems or they got it mm-hmm. all figured out. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that I think kids thought that adults had it figured out. Now I'm pretty sure kids all know we don't. Right. And they're just sort of disappointed that we pretend like we do, yeah. you know? And I don't know if they could say it that way, but I, that's the sort of sense in all that. And so as a, I think as parents, just owning some of that's really a big step. You know, there's a lot of literature about learning, helping kids learn soft skills, as they call them. So just basic things, how to have a conversation, holding the door for somebody, saying thank you. Maybe not starting your email with, your class today was the stupidest thing ever. 
I totally disagree with your point. You know, yeah. maybe that's not the right. way you start right. that conversation, right? <laughs> or I just wanted you to know I'm not going to turn in your paper because, you know, I didn't feel like it. You know, that's probably not, you know. So just those soft skills about how to engage some of those conversations, about how to treat one another. Those little things, again, a lot of kids just aren't aren't experiencing the opportunities to learn those things. Do you have a resource right off the top of your head that you love, or is this just Google it and you'll find one? Yeah, I think that's probably it. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah, there's about 8 million out there right, at this right. point. So yep. lots of literature about that. And of course, we know that employers want somebody who can interface with others yes. on a public way, right. even if they're not in retail or whatever, but just somebody who can actually talk to a client, for example, with some professionalism really helps. And so, right. you know, that you can get help your kid a lot. And I don't think a lot of that takes a long time to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think there's also just a sense, even as a parent helping kids, you know, I don't want to lie to kids and say it's always all going to be fine. But there is something about a resiliency that to say, you know, even if these things happen, God is faithful. Mm-hmm. And even if these things happen, we, we can find ways forward. You know, mm-hmm. it may not be our ideal but we can find a way forward, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm going to step in a little off topic for a second, but I think it actually matters a lot for this conversation. You know, we use the word vocation, which sort of we've interpreted like, what's my job going to be? But behind that word vocation, it means like calling, right? There's somebody calling. And as Christians, we would say, we're listening for God's voice. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting for a lot of kids, they feel this pressure like when they come to college that they have to have their answer figured out. This is what I'm going to do with my life. This is the career I'm going to have. This is my next step. But if we really believe in calling, that God's calling, then the skills we should be talking about with our kids, I think, are listening skills. Mm-hmm. And not just to the world, but to God. Like, are we helping kids? Are we asking, what's God saying in your life? And what are you going to do about that? And, you know, instead of saying, what are you going to do with your life or what are you going to major in or what's your, you know. Yeah. Uh, Which are our natural questions. I find sure. myself doing that every yeah, and, every year. And people mean well by them for sure. Yeah. But definitely kids, anxiety gets now right. more than ever raised when we start asking all those, what's your future questions instead of maybe asking, you know, what do you maybe feel called to next? What's your next step? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a whole different kind of way we approach things, but I actually think it's a lot healthier. And I think for students, you know, for for younger people, that helps them understand there's this step and then there's going to be another one. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I I saw this earlier. So I've got this Gen Z um, Barna Research sure. um, book here. And this kind of speaks to what you were just talking about. There's There's a piece of it where it talks about parents were interviewed on what they feel like the youth pastors are doing really well and what youth pastors' um, weaknesses are. Yep. And one that came out of a weakness of youth pastors is parents feel like youth pastors are not helping their students figure out their career and vocation, which when I saw that, my in- immediate response and thought was, is that really my job to find—I don't know if that's my role to help with— and then I think, well— my question to them is, what are you going to do in college? What's your mate? And so a lot, I was really convicted by that in a way of like, well, my, I don't think that's my role necessarily, but that's often where I go in my question and um, kind of our, our thinking. And I think, you know, parents mean well, 
but I think what that question or that response to that question reveals is a lot of the anxieties parents feel mm. because they want the best for their kid. Of course we do, right? But oftentimes we feel like that means that I know my kid going to college is going to know exactly where they're major in. They're going to know what their career is going to be. They're, they're going to have their path figured out. I mean, even if we do back up, most of us didn't know that either. Right. And the reality is, we all have heard these stats, but there are most of the kids are going to wind up working in jobs that we don't even know exist yet. And they're just not here yet. So that's sort of a, in many ways, I feel like it's fool's gold, right? Anybody who's promising, oh yeah, all of our kids are going to, when they graduate from our college, are going to know what they're going to do. What are you talking about? I hope they don't know what they're going to do in some sense. You know what I mean? Like yeah. part of it is discovering and learning and being willing to grow. But I think for parents, they want that. And that's a good hearted thing, right? But they're putting that pressure on everybody because they feel like that's the best interest of their kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really good. One thing that you champion and lead at Asbury is something called Youth Becoming Leaders. And you are a big believer in students being leaders in their churches, in their communities, and empowering them to do that. Uh, and youth becoming leaders, YBL. Talk a little bit about that. Whether and this could be for families who maybe they see leadership in their kids, um, but also just why do you believe in students? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I do have this just sort of crazy notion that young people are incredibly capable, mm. you know, and often more capable than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. And you know, culture often sort of gives us this narrative about what kids do or don't do, you know, if you watch TV shows that have teenagers in them, they're always doing certain things and uh, newspaper articles, et cetera. But for me, I really do believe that God can speak to teenagers and can work in teenagers. Scripture certainly shows us that throughout scripture, God uses young people in all kinds of amazing ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do believe that with all of my heart. And so one of the questions then is what do we do? How do we help kids do that? Right. And, and if we believe that young people can be, capable Christ-like leaders right now, how do we set them up for that? How do we give them opportunities to say yes to that? And how do we encourage them? Now, they're still teenagers, so we can't expect the same kinds of things as you do everybody else in terms of adults. But a lot of the same things you can, and I think a lot of them are capable of those things. So for us, it's a question of how do we create that kind of space for them? Yeah, so our big heart is how do we help young people say yes? How do we help them say yes to God and what he's doing and saying in their life? And we, we just, again, believe that God can do great things through teenagers. So how do we do that? Well, part of it at YBL is trying to set them up in an environment where we're saying yes to them and helping them say yes to God. And so there's some conversations about vocation for sure. We try to give them some handles on talking about their own calling. And even if they don't know any of the answers, that's okay. But just even some language to talk about it can be quite helpful, of course, mm-hmm. right? And so... Um, we do that a bit. Part of it for us, too, is just engaging them in that deeper level theological conversation. So every year we have a theme that, that ties to a scripture for us. And so, for example, last year it was the theme was response. And we were in this narrative of Mary's call that where the angel comes to, to Mary and tells her she's going to have this baby. And what does she do with that? And, and so by inhabiting scripture in those ways and, and you know, bringing deeper level theology conversations, we have faculty from the university and from the Asbury Seminary that come and share with kids about insights from New Testament scholarship. These are world scholars. You know, these are incredible people. So it gives students a great opportunity to kind of dive into that stuff. And what's interesting is 
you know, some people would say, well, I'm not sure young people care about those things. But we found every single year we've done it, and we'll be in, you know, we just finished year seven of, of formerly of YBL. The, every year we do it, the number of kids who are more interested in the deeper conversations goes way up. Hmm. Right? So they're just desperate for people to take them seriously yeah. and to dive into that in a safe environment. So yeah. trying to do that is really helpful. And then we do other things like, you know, experiential learning things. We, we encourage them while they're with us. We help them develop a, a, a ministry project that they're going to take home to their home community. So let's start practicing that leadership right away. Um, and then one of the pieces for us that we think is just invaluable in this whole process is the local church. Mm-hmm. So we want them to be connected to that. So we don't want to just be an experience two weeks at Asbury and then they go home and whatever else comes back to normal. So we bring a mentor from their home community to campus for the last 24 hours of the two weeks, free of charge to the mentor. And they come and we just kind of pass the baton to them. We let them know what we've been talking about and doing. They, they talk with their student about this project. And it's a really kind of a fun thing to see them say, okay, yeah, I, I think I can walk with you in this now. And so we equip them a little bit with some devotionals, the three months of devotionals we'll do together. And again, give them some questions to ask kids as they walk through it. But what's fascinating is kids go back home it's exceeded our wildest imaginations of what some of these kids have been able to do. And largely because their local church says, yeah, okay, we're going to give you some space to step into leadership. Mm-hmm. And kids just thrive. You know this, Dan, you've been in ministry long enough. I, I believe with everything in my being that if when a kid's in high school, if we can teach them to lead, that they'll spend the rest of their life looking for places to lead. Hmm. If we teach them to just be consumers, they'll spend yeah. the rest of their life I mean, guy can work, right? But I, I think just, they learn that pattern of churches to give me something or to feed my soul or whatever, instead of this, how can I step in and help lead? How yeah. can I step in and serve here? How can I be a part of something bigger here? And I just, you know, if we can teach them that in high school and help them see that that's God's, God's really designed for us, man, what a difference it makes. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so two weeks on campus at Asbury in the summer, normally June. That's right, um, yeah. So an opportunity for youth pastors to kind of plug that for their students. Yeah, and as somebody who's been in youth ministry a long time, I I know that many youth pastors do a great job with their kids, and they have student leaders in their churches. But I also know, in my own experience, one of the places that I felt like I didn't have as maybe as much as I wanted to give was in those student leaders, right? Yep. And, you know, I don't have, you know, Old Testament scholar in my back pocket in my local church, <laughs> most right. of us. But we do at Asbury. We've got we've got those kind of people we can bring to the conversation. And again, our desire is not to go around or whatever the local church, but we want to help support their local church. So I think what you have when you when a kid comes to Y-Bill, when they come back to your church is somebody super motivated for ministry, wants to help serve in your place. And so, I, again, I just, you know, I, w- I want to say we're not here to compete in any way with what the church is doing, what the youth groups are doing. We want to help those kids who are at that spot, ready to take the next step to help them. T- yeah, yeah, that's really good. So where can people go to find out more about... Yep. You, about YBL, about your books, what? Sure. S- simple is just, you know, asbury.edu backslash YBL, okay. Youth Becoming Leaders. Okay. And that's just a real easy link that'll get them to the Youth Becoming Leaders page. There's information about it. Um, there's information about how they can apply, students can apply, and all that good stuff. And you can find, if you really want to find information about me, I don't know why, but yeah, you can find that there too. Um, yeah. And the book is published by Craigle Publishing. It's Youth youth ministry as mission as you mentioned okay great so to finish 
I ask each of my guests this uh, two two questions. One, what is something that you are listening to or reading? Some continuing education that's really encouraging to you. Yeah, there is this fantastic book by Angela Gorell called The Gravity of Joy. And it is amazing. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough to everybody. Uh, it's just, um, she tells her story and I don't want to kind of ruin everything in it. But she stepped into a, a project. Um, she was hired at, at Yale to work with Miroslav Volf, who's an amazing theologian and all these things, on this project about joy. And right at that time, all of these things in her life that are not joyful happened, one mm. after the other, after the other, after the other. And she just shares her journey in that. And it is just remarkable. I mean, you need to have your tissues with you, you know, uh, even, even this kid who grew up in Flint, Michigan, I'm like, what, what is this stuff coming out of my eyes? But it's just really powerful. And, but it also is just so incredibly hopeful. And I think that's where a lot of people are living in the midst of that suffering, tension, COVID loss, et cetera. And it's just, it's just a great gift. Love it. Love it. And then raising up the next generation, who was someone that saw you as the next generation and raised you up? Man, I love telling this story. So when I was growing up. I grew up in the church. There was a group of us boys around within a couple years age of each other who grew up in the church. Our parents were really involved in the church. We knew all the Sunday school answers, all that stuff. And we were just awful. I mean, we were the worst kids to be a teacher for whatever. And I'm not necessarily proud of this. I'm describing that prescribing. But we had a little pencil box in our Sunday school room in my church. And we had tally marks for all the Sunday school teachers we would go through. Like just almost some of them would last one day and they'd be like, this, these kids are just, uh, they're so terrible. And we were just, you know, know-it-alls and all that stuff. And then they basically ran out of people. And so they kind of made an appeal to the church, at least as I remember this. And this guy named Jerry Peterson said, I'll do it. And if you'd have lined up everybody in our church, Jerry would have been one of the last people you would ever pick. Like, he's kind of a nervous person, you know, thick glasses. He wasn't cool in any kind of way people think about cool kids, keep cool people. And, but he just said, I'll be there. And he was a terrible teacher, to be really frank. Like, he just read the lesson right off the page, word for word, right? It wouldn't even hardly look at us. But he would do stuff with us. And he believed in us enough to say, yeah, I, I'll take you guys camping. I'll teach you how to light fires and all, you know, like stuff that nobody was ever, you know, nobody would do. But he believed in us. You know, he just said, you guys can do some things. And that was kind of, you know, we had parents who loved us and things, but it was just because he was willing to stick with us through the midst of our annoyingness, right? And so he just became this hugely influential figure in all of our lives. So it's amazing out of that group how many of us are in ministry and the church super involved. So it's just, uh, I think, uh, a big, big kudos to Jerry, who was one of the first people who said, yep, I'm, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. Well, and coming full circle, the the importance of being with, you know, and and that I think this is really good for small group leaders to hear, for parents to hear, is some the things that the things that stick with us are not always the things during the um, programmed learning time. Absolutely, and yeah. and that maybe the things that stick with us the most are 
the 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 rides in the car, the camping, the 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 offline conversations, right? Um, that that that's what that's what matters. So good. I love every every single one of these. I've loved the story and hearing who believed in that's you. Great and, question to yeah, ask. Yeah. yeah, I love it. It's good. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a really good conversation, and I think it's going to be so helpful. So blessings on you and your ministry as you continue to lead students and lead your own kids, and I'm grateful for you, man. Thanks for having me. It's, it's a joy. It's good to, good, to, good to be a part of this. And just, again, to say to everybody who's engaged in youth ministry and, and ministry with young people, thank you for doing it. Uh, it's not easy, but it matters. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. So many great nuggets of wisdom there. Hopefully you heard one or two things that stuck out that you can put into practice. If you want to find out more about Brian's work or Youth Becoming Leaders, look for the links in the show notes. They're all there for you. And if you know someone who would benefit from our conversation today, whether they're a parent of a soon-to-be graduate or a pastor in the world of students, Share this with them. I know they'll benefit from Brian's experience and wisdom. And if you're enjoying these conversations each week, I would encourage you to leave a rating and review. That helps make the podcast more visible. It gets the word out to others, and I would really appreciate that. In our next episode, I am chatting with Joshua Becker. Joshua is a minimalist and a believer in Jesus. He's been incredibly influential in my own life over the past couple years as I've read his blog and his books. And we are talking about living a life of contentment in a culture of consumerism. You will not want to miss that conversation. It comes out next Monday. But for now, blessings on you as you are raising up the next generation where you're at. We'll see you next week.